0: And of course, thank my Heavenly Father for this honor. So this afternoon, I want to base my message on the foundation of God's love. God's love is so amazing. God's love is immeasurable. God's love is so deep, there are no words to describe it. And before we love Him, God loves us and he loves everyone. God loves the lost, he loves the hurting, he loves the rich, he loves the poor, he loves the Christian, he loves the non-Christian. The Bible says God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Amazing God, an amazing love. His love is patient, his love is kind, his love doesn't envy, his love is not proud, it doesn't keep a record of wrongdoings, it doesn't get angry quickly. That is his love. His love uh, does not delight in sin, but it rejoices in the truth. His love protects, his love preserves, his love trusts, his love hopes. His love perseveres. His love never fails. His love is washed. His love is pure. His love is eternal. Even if you reject him today, he will still continue to love him. He will still continue to restore the broken hearted. He will still continue to heal the sick. And you know what's the best part of his love? The best part of his love is, his love doesn't depend on our achievements, our ability. Because God is love. Amen. Are we not getting the full picture on, this, on the projector? But we know all that, don't we? We're talking about God's love. So God is love. So this afternoon, I want to share with you my testimony which is a testament of God's amazing love for me. And I know that we all experience God's love in our lives. This afternoon we are here because of God's love. We still breathe because of God's love. We all travel distances today because of God's love. We are still protected. But this is a testimony of mine I want to share today. And I just pray that through my testimony, you, know, you will be encouraged to see another dimension of God's love. Especially those of you who are going through difficult times in your life, who are going through a valley phase in your life where you see no hope. Let me tell you, let me encourage you through my testimony today to seek after the one who loves you more than anyone else will. Is that okay? Okay, thank you very much. Let's, let's close our eyes and let's pray for a minute. Ask God for help this afternoon. Heavenly Father, we thank you so very much. We appreciate your love for us. And we thank you that you are so amazingly loving. And this afternoon, Lord, as I deliver my testimony, I pray that it will fall on good soil. People will receive it, Lord. And they'll be encouraged, Lord, by your amazing love. Holy Spirit, I ask that you come you come and you take control of this situation we surrender this you be our teacher today we ask this in the precious name of jesus amen 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 hallelujah god is so good all the time god is good well i come from india my name is fabian swami and i'm one of the pastors in this church I come from a city called Pune, which is about 100 miles from uh, Mumbai? Bombay. You heard of Bombay, Bollywood? I, I have a number of friends and acquaintances who, who live in Kenya. Kenya has got a lot of Indians, don't they? I mean, Indians are everywhere, aren't they? And, uh, even in heaven you'll find Indians. You know So I come from that place, from Pune, and I am the only child of my parents, no brothers, no sisters, the only child. We come from a Catholic background, so we had a very strict regime to attend Mass every Sunday. Mass was mandatory, so I would go every Sunday to attend Mass once a week on a Sunday. As far as school was concerned, I was an average kid, average in everything, but the main thing was I was very shy. I was shy to open my mouth in class, you know, when a teacher asks a question, I would never raise my hand up because I was so scared to speak loudly in front of all my other classmates. When a teacher asked me a question, asked me to stand up, I would shiver and tremble. I would say, Oh my God. And I would stand up and I would mostly give the wrong answer because of the fear of speaking in front of people. And because of that, my classmates used to make fun of me, they used to start calling me names. And they should ridicule me. And I lost my self-esteem. I lost all my confidence in myself. And I looked at myself as useless. As totally useless. I want to bring a scripture here. If we can get it on the screen. If it's possible. And this is from Psalm 139. And verse 14. If you have your Bibles, you can refer to it. Psalm 139 verse 14. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that well. See, no matter what people think about you, no matter what their opinion about you is, God has an opinion about you. God has wonderfully and fearfully made you. You know, he has painstakingly designed you in your mother's womb and God doesn't make mistakes. He, is, he loves you. You know what? You are special to God. You are, his, you are the apple of his eye. You know what does it mean by being an apple of his eye? That means that he cherishes you. He cherishes each one of you more than anything else. Above everything else, God cherishes you. So it doesn't matter what people think about you. But I do not know God like I know him today. At that time, I did not have anyone teaching me about God's love. So I continued to be in that state of bad esteem, low esteem, struggling in my school, in my class. And I was just going to church without any purpose. And I began to be rejected by everyone. Very few friends, no one hardly spoke to me because they knew I was shy and all those things. So... But that takes me to another uh, verse in Psalms, which, uh, not Psalms, Jeremiah 22 and verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. You know, whether you know it or not, God is working behind the scenes. God is doing stuff for you. God is bringing people into your life you don't even know they will be coming but they are on the way. Opportunities are coming. God is working behind the scenes because he has a plan for you. A plan to prosper you. To give you hope and a future. I was hopeless at that time but God had a plan for me. One day my teacher in year eight eighth grade, she comes to me and says, you know, I want you to stay after class. I want you to stay after class. And I said, oh, why, teacher? I thought, you know, have I done something wrong? I was a bit scared. But she said, after the bell rings, I want you to come to my desk. So the bell rings, all the other children go away, and I go to her desk, and she tells me, sit down. And she says, I know, you know, I know you are shy, and you don't like to talk much in the class. But, you know, I've seen you doing a lot of good drawings in a drawing class. So what I want you to do is make a chart, make a painting on a chart paper. So I will display it on the class notice board. So I want this in a week's time. So I, I, I didn't know I was good in drawing. I should just do something. But she noticed it. And I believe God was noticing as well. And God knew what was going on in the background. And so I go home. And in a week's time, I... Somehow make a nice landscape, creative landscape. Bring it to the class, and she, she looks at it and says, "Wow, that's brilliant!" And then she puts it on a notice board, and the classmates all look in amazement and say, "Wow, it's, I can't believe it's you've done that." You know, and that was the breakthrough that God was giving me in my life. That breakthrough, small breakthrough. God will give you small, small breakthroughs. You know, in your life, He won't give you the whole world in an instant, but He'll give you little, small victories that you will remember, like I do. And so, slowly, I began, I began to get confident in my drawing ability. I began to draw. I began to enter into competitions, winning prizes. And I became a bit more popular than I was before. My self-esteem was not as low as it was before. It has gone up. Because I know now I'm not as useless as I thought I was. There is still hope in me. But God was nowhere in the picture. okay. I still felt it was my ability. It was my talent that's taking me, uh, giving me all this success. God was nowhere in the picture. And then school finished, went to college, and in college, I discovered I could sing. So I began to uh, enter singing competitions as well. And I began to win prizes there as well. And then... And I, I had, by the time I was 18 years old, I had grown into a young, handsome man, which I am still today. But, <laughs> but, but I was a bit younger then, so I, I took part in modeling. I began to do modeling as well, to make some extra, extra money. And all these things, God was nowhere. And I was really t- taken from where I was to somewhere higher. Now, looking back, I know it, was, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. It can't be me. It can't be me. It has to be God only. Only He can do stuff like this. Because He's a miracle working God. Isn't it? So I was cruising along. Enjoying my life. Cruising along. And now, I was, uh, there was a speed breaker coming on the way. On my cruise. You know what a speed breaker is? A speed breaker. In India, we have some massive speed breakers. You know? We call them car breakers and we call them bone breakers. They're massive speed breakers on the road that you have to stop. And in my life came a speed breaker. In 1990, 1985, I was traveling in a train, standing at a door, the train was jam packed, holding onto a handle with my finger, and at the edge of the train, door, and the train swayed a little, and I lost my balance. I lost my grip on the handle. And I went in slow motion out of the train. And the people all were so scared. Someone pulled a chain and the train stopped. And they came running, expecting to find a mutilated, a dead body. But they were shocked when they see. I only had a bit of bruising on my left hand. Everything else was perfect. No damage at all. I had happened to fall on a grass, soft grass then. And they were shocked and they said, that's a miracle, you know. But some people kept saying, it's, you're, in, you're so lucky to be alive. You know, what luck you have. You know, it's great luck you come with into this world. That even after falling from a train, you did not die. So still, I did not give God praise. I did not give God thanks for that. Because I, all I was hearing was just luck. Luck, luck. Nobody came to me and said, wow, let's give God thanks for this. Let's give God the praise for this. Let's worship him for giving you a new life. Nobody came to me and said that. So I was just, again, thinking it's all luck. It's all luck. See, God wants, God sometimes gives us a wake-up call because he wants us to notice him. He wants us to notice what he's doing in our lives. A small nudge there. A small nudge here a small speed breaker there to stop us from cruising along, thinking we are too great and we can do everything in our own ability. And I just thought I was just lucky. Now by this time, fast forward a few years, I was enjoying the church in a sense, not enjoying the presence of God, but enjoying church because it gave me an opportunity to meet my friends after church. So I would go to mass and I would just wait for the mass to finish and I would go out and my friends used to be there, Boy, uh, boys, girls and we used to all meet every week after the mass and we would decide, okay, let's go here, let's go there we had, a, we had these bikes, so we could just go for a picnic anytime so church Sunday was just an occasion an excuse to meet up with friends nothing else to me, God was an insignificant entity God was insignificant now, I used to live with my parents when I was a teenager. I used to live in an in a apartment building. It was about six stories high. And, you know, we had those lifts going up and down. So, one day, I was waiting at the lobby, waiting for the lift. And this, this man, young man comes to the lobby and he looks at me. I think I got a picture of this, this, this person. Next slide, if you can take that, Belinda, please. Yeah. Look at his smile. You know, it just attracted me when he came. And, you know, we just introduced ourselves. He said he's living in the second floor. I said, I'm on the sixth floor. And he said he was a pastor, a pastor from South India who had come to start a church, a church very close to our apartment building. So he looks at me and says, you know, we have a guest speaker coming tomorrow. Why don't you join us? Why don't you come to our church? And I, I said, in my mind, are you kidding? I already go to a church. I don't need to come to another church. So but in, my, in my mind, I was thinking that. But I just said, okay, I'll see about it. But we would meet very often on the terrace sometimes, in the lobby sometimes, because it's the same building. So we couldn't avoid each other. And every time he met me, he would ask me, why don't you come? Why don't you come to our fellowship? You know, it'll be nice. And I kept saying, okay, I'll think about it, think about it, think about it. And I became so frustrated that I began to start to avoid him. So I would see him coming from far and I would hide behind the pillar and wait for him to go. And when he's gone, I would look and see, okay, he's gone now, thank God. So I would then go up. So I kept avoiding him. But you know, in a small building like that, you can't avoid people. Like One day he cornered me, and I had no escape. I looked left and I looked right, but there was no escape. He was right in front of me. And he says, you know, tomorrow we got a special event in our church. Why don't you come? I said, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll think about it. But when I went home, you know, I was thinking, he keeps asking me to come to his fellowship every time. I'm really getting fed up of this. How do I get rid of him asking me these things. So I said, okay, let's go. Tomorrow was Sunday. Let's go to his fellowship and, you know, satisfy him. So at least for the next six months, he won't bother me. So that was my plan. So next Sunday, I went to my church. And after the church, I told my friends, I got some important work. I can't remain for a picnic. I got to go. So I went to the other church. I looked left, looked right, to see if any of my friends are watching me. There was nobody there. So I went into this church for the very first time. And in this church, they had this, this music, fast music, you know. Praise and fast music. And I'm not used to, these, I was not used to that kind of a music in our church, you know. And then these, these people raising their hands and, and shouting and you know, screaming. I'm saying, oh, these, kind of, these guys are a bit weird, aren't they? A bit of weirdos here. And they, they, they're shouting and they're on top of their voice I said, how dare, I was thinking in my mind, how dare can you lift your hand in front of God? You can't do that. You know, because I was brought up in the other church where we had to be very like this, you know, like this, like this and very, very pious and not look around, not look around, not uh, being distracted anywhere. But we had to concentrate on what's being taught. So this was all new to me. The speaker came, he spoke for about 45 minutes, which is longer than the mass itself. So, I was like getting, I was wondering what's happening. I'm, how long is the service going to go on for? You know, and then at the end of the service, all these brothers coming and giving me a hug. I said, oh, that's a bit too, too much now. That's, that's too much now. That's too much. This is a weird place. Am I on another planet? What's going on here? You know, that was what my impression was because I wasn't used to that. I went home and I said, I'm never going to go back to that church again. You know, it's not my cup of tea because I'm used to another cup of tea. This is not my cup of tea. Okay? Right, so life was going on well. Pastor Lincoln, his name was. Pastor Lincoln. He kept asking me again and again, but I kept refusing, you know. But now I had got a good job as well. And in 1995, I fell, not in a pit, but I fell in love with a beautiful girl. I fell in love With a beautiful girl, head over heels with this beautiful girl. And I felt my life is done now. Wow, this is the real life, you know. Uh, But remember, those days there was no internet. This is 1995, I think, yeah. No internet, no emails, no WhatsApp. So the only way we could uh, communicate was telephone or letters. But before that, I I loved her, I liked her. This is the girl for me, I thought. And I proposed to her. And then she said yes. And I said, wow, that's, that's it now. So I told my parents, and she told her parents. We came to, the parents came together and they agreed for the marriage. So we got engaged. We got engaged, and the marriage was fixed for about six months from now, for example, because of some financial issues. We said, we'll marry after six months. But we got engaged. So I would meet her after the engagement on a daily basis almost, you know, craving to meet her, craving to uh, talk to her. You know, there was no, like I said, no WhatsApp, so I had to either go to her house on the phone. we would speak for hours and hours on the phone. You know, sweet nothings, they say, don't they? Sweet nothings, but I can't remember what it was, but just sweet nothings. Anyway, and then uh, she sent me letters. I wrote letters back to her. I very carefully drafted poems for her, you know, that will put any good poet to shame. The, the, the poems that I had drafted. And then she sent letters to me as well. And I would look at those letters and the, the paragraphs. And every paragraph I would read. And then I would read again. Then I would read the sentence. Each sentence. One by one. Again I would read the sentence again. Then I would go to every word and sort of a squeeze all that juice from that word. And say, wow, what does she mean by this, this word? Wow, it's so amazing. It's so amazing. You know, Kenya, you must be having this uh, sugar cane juice, do you? You know how they squeeze the sugar cane juice? They put the sugar cane juice inside the mortar and the juice comes out, but they're not happy yet. They fold it, put it back again. Again they fold it, put it back again. And this goes on for about six times, correct? Till at the end, there's nothing left except the raw. But you've got a you juice with you, isn't it? So that's, you know, that's exactly how God wants us to love him. You know, this is exactly the the passion that God wants us to have for him. The love that he wants because he's a lover. God is a lover and he longs for a bride who will love him with a passion. His letters, his love letters, that's his love letters. And that's what we need to do. We need to read and read and read and read. If we squeeze every bit of that to our satisfaction. That is how we need to read the word of God. That's how God wants us to live our lives with a passion for him. There's a verse in Proverbs chapter 23 and 26. It says, give me your heart and let your eyes delight in my ways. So anyway, coming back to my story. I was flying in the clouds now. Enjoying myself. And no speed breakers now because I'm in the clouds. No speed, I'm not on the road anymore. So no speed breakers. But I tell you what, God has speed breakers even in the clouds. God has speed breakers. He does, yeah. 1995. Two months before we were due to get married. Two months before. My company asked me to go out for training for three weeks. And I was so disappointed. I said, no way. I can't go for three weeks. What am I going to tell her? I'm I'm going to miss her. I can't go. But I had to go. It was my job. So with a very heavy heart, I told her I'm going. And she bid me goodbye. It was a train journey I had to go. 24 hours journey, far away city in South India. So that was a very tough time for me. I couldn't concentrate on the training. All my thoughts were on her. I tried to call. When I got a chance, only I got her on one or two occasions because sometimes she was not available. There was no mobile phone to call her. So I was so dejected. I was so lonely. And I just waited for these three weeks to get over. I didn't pray yet. I didn't pray. I'm just hoping that these three weeks would go soon. And they went as slow as they could. And the last day I was so happy. Wow! Now I'm going to go and I'm going to meet my sweetheart in Pune. So I get the train. I catch the train. And I go to my city. And the next morning I go to her house. I go to her house. Overjoyed. Yes, here I am. But you know what? When I met her, after those three weeks I found there's a bit of a disconnect in her. There was a bit of a change in her. She wasn't the same girl that I left three weeks ago. There was something different in her, in her attitude, in her demeanor. So I was wondering what it is, but I didn't ask her. But the next day I met her again and it's the same kind of attitude and I'm I'm saying, no, I need to ask her. I need to find out what's going on. So I asked her, hey, you know, is, is something wrong? I find that you are a bit worried about something. And she said, no, 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 everything is fine. I said, are you sure? Because I know, I know you for the last four months. I know when you're not happy or something is hurting you or biting you, or whatever. She said, no, don't, don't worry, no. no. I said, I must insist because I love you and I can help you. So tell me what it is, please. So when I said I loved her, she broke down into tears. She broke down into tears and she looks at me with eyes uh, full of tears and she says, you know, I was in love with with a boy for several years and he works in my same company, same office that I work in. And we travel every day by the bus to work and back. And when you were off for three weeks... You know, we met more often, and I'm in love with him, and I can't live without him. That was like a ton of bricks falling on my head. You know, I was like, is this kind of a dream or what? You know, three weeks ago, you were in love with me, and I was in love with you. What happened? I'm thinking in my mind, because I couldn't speak. I was speechless. You know, is this a kind of a dream or what? What? No, it wasn't a dream. It was like 70mm cinemascope HD, whatever it was. It was real. (laughs) It was was the real deal. It was the real deal. So anyway, she was crying. So I decided to go home. I went home utterly dejected, utterly disappointed, heartbroken. Next day, I didn't call her. I I just couldn't think properly. And after two days... I get a call from, I mean, my parents get a call from her parents. And they say to them, she has run away from the house with the other guy. And they've gone to the court and they got married. They're now husband and wife. And that was the last straw for me. There was no, nothing. My whole world came crashing down. And then the first time I spoke to God, you know, first time in my life I spoke to God. You know what I said to God? It's all your fault. (laughs) It's all your fault. If you wanted me to live a happy life, why did you do this to me? I loved her. And this is what you do to me. The first time I spoke to God and I blamed him. And that's what many of us do because we, when everything is going on perfectly okay, we're happy, joyful. Oh, we don't care for God, do we? Oh, let it go. You know, God is somewhere in the corner. It's okay, fine. But when things go bad, then we remember God. And then we start to accuse God for all that's happening around us. And that was my attitude. Blaming God for everything. For what has happened in my life. I went to, when I would go to sleep in the night, I would say, God, I don't want to live anymore. You did this to me. Take me away from you. Don't show me tomorrow. I don't want to see tomorrow but tomorrow came and I was again angry with God why did you show me today I don't want to see this day I can't live you know how difficult it is someone has stabbed me in the back I can't be I I loved her with all of my heart and I can't live without her that was my attitude self pity sympathy for myself began to come into my heart no one from my church came to pray for me, to encourage me. None of my friends came to encourage me. My parents said, it's okay, son. You know, we'll find someone else for you. I said, I can't have anyone else. I loved her. She was the flame of my, what is it, candle or heart, whatever it was. <laughs> she was the flame. She was a living flame that's been extinguished now. And I don't want to get married anymore. I don't want to get married that's it. And then guess, Pastor Lincoln came. Pastor Lincoln came with his wife. And he came and he prayed. He prayed for me. And his wife gave a prophecy that God will bring someone who, will, who is ordained by God who will become my life partner. But I wasn't listening because I didn't want to get married. No question of life partner. It's all over. It's all over. You know. And slowly, 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 this sympathy, this self-pity turned to rage. It turned to anger. It turned to revenge. Thoughts of revenge started to come into mind. How can you let them be alive after what they have done to you? How can you? Don't be a coward. Take some action. Take revenge on them. So I decided to take revenge, they stabbed me in the back and I'm going to stab them in the front. That was my, my mission now. And I'm not recommending this to anyone. <laughs> Please don't follow what I did. It was, this was something I did 25 years ago. And uh, it's illegal to carry a knife in the UK, by the way. So, so anyway, back to my story. I, I bought a nice new shining knife, put it in my bike, they, live in the, they, they work in the same o- office, isn't it? So I said, two birds and one stone. Let's go to the office and let's stab each one of them and that's it. I didn't want to live anymore anyway. But I didn't want to go without taking revenge. So I, one day, took my motorcycle with a knife in my bag and drove towards their office. Now, you know, India, they have a 330, the Hindus, they have 330 million gods. One of on that day, it was one of the birthdays of one of those gods. So, all these Hindus were dancing and celebrating the festival. So, all the roads were blocked. I tried this road, I tried that road, the road was blocked. So, I couldn't go further. So, I had to abandon my plan that day. And I said, next week, I'll try again. Yes, give Jesus a hand, give Jesus a hand. At that time, I didn't know it was his doing, but I know now it was his doing. Yes, but then, Next week I tried again. I can't remember what happened the next week, but something stopped me again from going to the office. And slowly I was like getting more and more frustrated. I'm saying, I'm saying I can't murder them. What do I do? And that's when that's when I hit the jackpot. That's when I hit the jackpot. I decided here is the plan. Let's end my life. Let's commit suicide. That's the best. By committing suicide, I can take revenge on them. You know, that's the most stupid thing to do. Because by ending your own life, you're destroying your life. You're not hurting anybody else. All that you're hurting is yourself. In my case, it would be my parents who would be hurt if I had ended my life. But I wasn't thinking rationally. You know, I said, this is what I am going to do. You know, there's a story of this, uh, this boy this, uh, sitting in a park bench. And he's having pain on his face. And a man passes by and looks at the boy and wonders why he's having pain on his face. He's having some pain of some sort. So he asks the boy, son, what's the matter? Why are you having pain? Is something wrong? The boy says, I'm sitting on a bumblebee. And the bumblebee is stinging me. The man says, you're sitting on a bumblebee? Get up quickly before he stings you even more. So the boy says, no, 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 no. I'm not going to get up from this bench because by sitting on him, I'm hurting him more than he's hurting me. That's the attitude many of us have. We think by hurting ourselves, we are causing hurt to others. But nothing can be further than the truth. Nobody cares about you. You know, you're only hurting yourself. But I was hell-bent on ending my life. So I decided now, what day can I end my life? And I, you know, I'm very organized, very meticulous in planning and all that. So I looked at the calendar. Two weeks from now, two weeks from now, it was the first anniversary of my engagement. And I said, that's the one. That's the day I will finish myself. And I will lay all the responsibility on them. So when people when people hear the news, they'll say, oh, this poor guy, you know, he died on, he gave his life on the anniversary of his engagement and this lady backstabbed him. What a poor guy. You know, self-pity. I've seen a lot of Bollywood films by then, so they gave me a lot of these ideas, you know, (laughs) how to go about these things. So, I planned to end my life on a Sunday night because Monday was the anniversary date. So, on... uh, uh, I, I, what I did was I bought the pesticide the poison I wrote letters to my parents I wrote letters to my uh, uncles my aunties, my cousins, my friends specifying why I was doing it why I was ending my life and who was responsible for all this all this bunch of letters I prepared in the meantime so the D-Day was approaching now Sunday was approaching, Thursday came Friday came Saturday came. Saturday morning, I went to the market to buy something. And guess who I met there? Amen, 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 amen. I met Pastor Lincoln with his broad smile, and he looked at me and said, how are you doing? How are you doing? Is everything okay? We are praying for you. I said, I know, I know you're praying, okay. And he said, tomorrow we've got another special event in our church, special speaker coming. Why don't you come? And I'm thinking in my mind, Okay, now you won't be pestering me more for the after 48 hours because I won't be here anyway. So I thought, okay, I'll come because I can meet some of those guys. I met them a few times and say goodbye to them. What have I got to lose anyway? I'm going, I'm going, I'm going to fly away. You know, I'm going to take my glorious revenge and be a happy man after all. But then Sunday came, I went to the church, Pastor Lincoln's church, and... Uh, everything was the same as usual, praise and worship, and they were all dancing like popcorn. They were jumping up and down. And I was I was just standing like this. I was just standing like this and looking at the clock because the hours, looking at the hours are coming closer. My deadline is coming close. My 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 freedom is coming closer. And then said bye to all of them. Went home. In the evening, we had supper with my my parents. They didn't have a clue what I was going to do. And they went to their bed and I waited till they slept. And I took away and I and I realized they were sleeping. I took the pesticide from under the bed and then I took all those letters and spread it on the bed so they could find it the next morning when they see my dead body. And I waited for midnight to come. Ten minutes more, I was just sitting there, doing nothing, and then midnight came and said, now is the time. So I grabbed hold of that pesticide can. And when I grabbed hold of it, I felt a bit of a warmth moving from this hand and coming over me a little bit, and I'm thinking, I haven't opened the pesticide yet. What's this warmth feeling coming? You know. Then I re- then I said, okay, let's 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 open the can now. I opened the can, and that feeling of heat multiplied, or maybe ten times multiplied for my hand. I couldn't hold the can. I just had to leave it on the floor. But that heat came, and then I heard a voice, not audible voice, a voice in my heart. I just heard saying don't do this son, don't do this, I have a plan for you, a very mellow voice, I have a plan for you and before I could even recover from that, I started to just weep, tears just came out, I just had to put my hand before my mouth because I know my parents are sleeping next door, so I had to just cover my mouth but I couldn't control the tears, They just kept falling, 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 I was on the floor on my knees and I don't know, it lasted for about 10 minutes. And then it, intense heat, love, warmth, great peace. And when it went away, I looked at that can and said, what's that doing here? And I, and I took the can and hid it under the bed. I took those letters, shoved them under my pillow. And I sat on my bed and I just fell like this on the pillow. And I don't know, it must have been less than 30 seconds also. I must have gone to sleep because the next thing I remember is the next morning. The next morning came. But it wasn't like all the other mornings. It wasn't the frustrated mornings. It was a blessed morning. It was a peaceful morning. Somehow there was some peace. There was this, there was this great peace which I couldn't understand. Peace in my heart. I just caught up. spring in my legs. Spring in my movement. And I went to work. Work was fine. Lunchtime. Having my lunch in the canteen. And while I was having my lunch, I get these thoughts again in my mind. Revenge. What about the revenge? What about getting even with what they did to you? And I said, I just took my both hands on the table and said, Lord! This is the first time I made this genuine prayer to, to the Lord. All So far, it was all everything but genuine. This was the first time, a genuine prayer to the Lord. Lord, help me. Lord, help me to get away from this. You said, you, I have a plan that you have kept for me. Help me. And it didn't happen all of a sudden. It didn't happen overnight. But slowly, day by day, day by day, as I Surrendered myself to the Lord. You know, he gave me the strength. He gave me the strength to forget. He gave me the strength to forgive. He gave me the strength to reject those thoughts of revenge. See, in the darkest hours of our lives, the most difficult times of our lives, God will be there with us to support us. If you can have the next verse, Psalm 34, 1 8. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. So, long story short, I decided to join Pastor Lindkin's church. God gave me new friends there, friends who would encourage me, friends who would pray for me, friends who would share their testimony to me, their experiences with me, people who would uh, encourage me because if God did it for them, God will do it for me as well. I soon became one of the leaders in that church. I became one of the pillars to support Pastor Lincoln in his ministry. The same very pastor I would run away from <laughs> once upon a time. The same pastor. A few months later, I welcomed Jesus Christ into my life for the very first time. As my Lord and my Savior. I had bought a baptism as well. But the best is yet to come. The prophecy that Mrs. Lincoln had said to me was coming to pass very soon. I met this very beautiful girl. Very beautiful girl. Whose name was Jaya. That was, that was her name, Jaya. She was not only more beautiful than the other girl, but more importantly, she was also a God-fearing girl. She was a God-loving girl. And I believe that she is a gift to me. And I couldn't ask for anyone better. I have a picture of uh, Jaya, if you can put that on, please. So, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's a... Pr- that's, that's, that's me, by the way. <laughs> and uh, that's chair. That's, that picture's about a year ago. A year ago. And, uh, you know, we've been married for about 23 years now. 23 years now. And uh, she has been a great source of encouragement to me. A great source of inspiration to me. Because she loves the Lord with all her heart. You know, she has this intimate relationship with the Lord. And, she, and when she has that, I see her. And, and see what she does. How she spends time with the Lord. It inspires me to also have that same kind of relationship. That intimacy with Jesus. That intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit. You see, God knows best, isn't it? God is smarter than we are. We don't know anything. God knows everything. There's a scripture in Isaiah 55, 9. Which says, As the heavens are higher than the earth. So are my ways higher than your ways. Amen? God knows best. See, he knew the other girl was not the one for me. Because I wouldn't encounter God if I was still with her. God knew everything. And I had never asked God at that time, God, is this the right girl for me? I never asked. I just went with my own judgment, my own reasoning, my own eyes. So It's so important, you see, to seek the Lord before you do anything whether it's a, a business proposal, whether it's buying a house, whether it's going for an interview, whether it's looking for a life partner. It's so very important to ask, God, is this your will for me? Very important. One of my favorite uh, scriptures is uh, from 2 Chronicles chapter 26, verse 5. It talks about King Uzziah. As long as he sought the Lord... God made him to prosper. As long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. Same bit applies to us. As long as we seek him, as long as we seek his relationship with him, he will make us to prosper. No matter what. No matter what the devil has in mind. God is greater than the devil. Now, I just got a few minutes more, 10 minutes perhaps. I would love to tell you at this stage that after my marriage Everything went on like a fairy tale. Everything went on like uh, we lived happily ever after. I would love to tell you that. But it wasn't the case. Because in this life, we will have trials. In this life, even if you are born again, even if you are a follower of Christ Jesus, you will have tribulations. That's what the Bible says, isn't it? John 16, 33. Jesus said, I have said these things to you, that in me... You may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Amen. You know, what happened was my parents were not very happy with me going to, uh, associating with Pastor Lincoln. They were not very happy. So when we started going to uh, his church, they were not happy. And you know, I used to go to uh, business tours for three, four weeks out and uh, they, would, they would taunt my wife and uh, stop her from going to the other church because they wanted to go us to go to their fellowship. And when I came back from the tools, my wife would tell me uh, this all about what happened and we would pray and ask God, you know, God uh, speak to them, you know, touch their hearts, forgive them. But this went on and on and on and one day it reached the ultimatum that they became so angry with us, they said, you either... Go to Pastor Lincoln's place, fellowship, or you come to our fellowship, or we are not going to consider you as family. You will have to leave the house. You've got 12 hours more. Think about it. If you want to still go to Pastor Lincoln's church, you have no place in our house. So that night we were praying, my wife and we were praying. We don't know what to do. Lord, we love our parents, but we love you as well. We honor, we honor you. We have a great time in that fellowship. Pastor Lincoln's fellowship, they're so encouraging. They're so loving. And I found you there. And all those things were in my mind. Psalms 27.10 says, Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. So we decided, no, we can't compromise. So next morning, we we gave our decision. And we were kicked out of the house. And there was no place to go. Uh, We had no money for the rent. So uh, I decided to live... In Jaya's parents' house, the son-in-law staying with the father-in-law and mother-in-law. In India, it's, it's considered a very, not a very honorable thing for a son-in-law to stay with the in-laws. But I had no option. I had to stay. But we were praying every day. We were praying, asking God. It was a very difficult time. The only son, can you imagine the only son uh, being told that you got no place in this house anymore? No, so it was a heartbreaking uh, experience for me but God is good all the time God made a way for Jaya to come to the UK within two months in two months she came to the UK and I lived there with my with, with my eldest son who is just two years old and after three months I was able to come here as well and I went to them to my parents today before we were leaving to you know, take their blessing and tell goodbye and they were still very angry with me. My mother said to me on my face, you are dead to me. You are dead to me. Your son is dead to me as well. So that was a, another jolt that I received just the day before I was taking off from India. This is 2000, year 2000. So 2000, we came here, and we got a job, and we settled here. And uh, you know, we had a second son in 2005. Uh, all those years, no contact with parents. They would never uh, speak to us on the thing on the phone also, and uh, soon WhatsApp and all those text messages started to come in. We got mobiles now, so 2005, our son was born, second son was born, and that I know changed their heart because I know God was doing that to them because we were praying for them as well. But God was touching their heart, and through the grandson, the second grandson, their hearts bit of melted, and they they thought of forgiving, you know, all that they thought we had done for them, and they started to contact us. And I don't want to go into details, but long story short, they even came to our house. Hallelujah. They came to our house. <laughs> they, they lived in our house for six months. But of course, they, were, they used to come to this church with us, but sometimes they would go to the other church in Manchester. So still there was that friction going on. But we never compromised. We said we will, we used to have our Bible uh, study family time in the house, and they used to be upstairs. My wife and me and the children would praise and worship. They would not come down. But they would be listening from up. You know, They would be listening. And I know God touches their heart. When they they listen, it goes into their spirit. So God was working. God was working in their lives, I know. So they went back. Again, they came after a few years, the second time in 2010. And uh, the same thing. Again, we didn't compromise. And uh, we just lived our lifestyle we were living before. Just because they were there, we did not change the way we lived. No, just to make them feel happy. No compromise with God. You can't compromise. You can't put your, your feet in two boats. You know, you can't serve God and something else. You have to serve God wholeheartedly. So that's what we did. And here's the miracle. Three weeks before. Three weeks before they were to leave UK. To go to India. Uh, they came to us and said, You know, we want to receive what you've got. Uh, we want to have what you have. Can you pray for us, please? So we were so overjoyed, my wife and I, so overjoyed. And we, we prayed for them. We led them to the Lord and we you know, said the salvation prayer and we prayed for them. We were so overjoyed. It's a miracle. It was a miracle. And then we had a baptism service a few weeks later. And uh, they agreed to also be baptized in water. And uh, Pastor Mike knows. You know, he was very happy when that happened as well. And the day of the baptism came. And uh, it was a Sunday evening. And uh, Pastor Mike was going to baptize them. But I think unfortunately you had an, an appointment, medical appointment to attend that afternoon. So Pastor Mike calls me and ask me to stand in for him in the pool while I baptize my own parents. God is good, isn't he? God is good. So here I am in the pool, happiest person in the world, because my parents who threw me out of the house once, who said that you are no longer our child, I'm going to be baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I stood there down in that pool, and they're standing in front of me, and I said, come on, Mama, come on, let me baptize you. And then I said, come on, Dara, let me baptize you. That was the happiest day in my life. And now, today, in India, they are filled with the Holy Spirit, encouraging others in the word of the Lord. Only God can do that. Only our Heavenly Father can do that. Only our loving God can do that. Is there anything too hard for our God? Is there anything too difficult for our God? And you know, God has blessed us so much. God has blessed me as a family. You know, He's given me a beautiful wife who stands by me. And he's given us two lovely sons. My eldest son is, who is, uh, is 19. He was the one who was in India. He's now a pilot. He's uh, doing additional training in the United States. And uh, my youngest son is 14 now. And God has blessed him with intelligence and great memory. He does great in school as well. So, And we got some great jobs. That God has blessed us with jobs as well. Uh, secular jobs as well. And a wonderful church family. That we can come and we can fellowship on a weekly basis, on a daily basis as well. I'm not saying all this pridefully. There's nothing for me to boast about. I can't boast about myself. I'm nothing. I can't boast. But I can certainly boast about the God who made all this happen. I can boast about... The God of impossibilities. I can boast about the God who when we go to him, he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will hold you by your hand and lead you. You know, he pulled me from the pit and made me to stand behind this pulpit. That is our God. I would never have imagined in my wildest dreams that I would one day be a preacher of God's word. Never, ever. And many of the things I share today are personal and are private But I believe that by sharing those things to you today, I believe that even if one person is encouraged, even if one person is encouraged to follow the Lord, to surrender to our Father of impossibilities, to give their life to Jesus, to have a personal relationship with Him, it will all be worth it. And perhaps that's why God made me to go through all those experiences in my life. Because He knew one day I would be standing in front of a congregation filled with the people from the nation of Kenya. I don't know. But I know one thing. When I look back at my life and I see that shy schoolboy who couldn't speak out in front of his classmates, I can see myself now standing in front of hundreds of people, boldly and confidently. I can see... <laughs> when I look back at my life, I can see that boy, the young man who fell off the train and was presumed dead. But today I can see myself standing healthy and alive. When I look back at my life, I can see the boy who did not want to live, who was about to consume poison. But now I see a man who is blessed with a family, with with a wife, with a child, with children. I look at my past and look at my parents and look at their attitude, their stubbornness towards Jesus and what they did to us and what their attitude was towards God and us. And today I see them ministering to other people, you know, can you give God a shout of praise, hallelujah thank you Lord see none of us deserves his love, none of us sitting here and standing here deserves his love, but he will still love you, he will still love you if you can do it for someone like me who never loved him never acknowledged him in my life before he can do it for anyone he can do it for anyone all you need to do is to surrender all your burdens to Him, and uh, to love Him, to have a personal relationship with Him. But this personal relationship only comes through faith in Jesus. Can we have someone on the on the keyboard just to? Uh, well, I just uh, close. Just a soft uh, music, brother. Thank you. Oh. Gee. So this personal relationship comes only through faith in Jesus Christ. See, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There is no other name given to a man by which he may be saved except through Jesus Christ. And as many as receive him, Jesus gives them the right to become sons and daughters of God. So the first step to a relationship with God is to believe in Jesus. Is to believe that he died for our sins. Is to believe that he became sin for our sake is to believe that through him we receive the righteousness of God. To believe that through his blood we receive access into his presence. So this afternoon, if you would like to receive Jesus in your heart as your personal savior, if you believe that he died for your sins, and if you believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead, Then, right where you are, you can close your eyes. Close your eyes. And from your heart, you can say this afternoon. You can repeat after me Dear Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you died for my sins on the cross. I believe that you were raised from the dead. Jesus I repent of my sins forgive me and I make a decision today to forgive those who have sinned against me Jesus let your kingdom come on my life let your joy your peace your righteousness come into my heart let your spirit fill me Jesus, I ask you to fill me with the precious Holy Spirit. Illuminate my heart so that that I may behold the glory of God in the face of Jesus. Anoint my life with your power so that I may be your witness on this earth. For yours is the kingdom. For yours is the glory. And yours is the power. Amen. Father God, we just thank you for this wonderful afternoon time. Thank you, Lord, Lord, for speaking to us today. Thank you, Lord, that we can trust in you, Lord, Father. No matter what we are going through, you are always there for us. You lift us up and you will guide us. And I pray for those who have welcomed you today. As their Lord and their Savior. You take their hands. You guide them. Be their comforter. Lead them Lord. Lord of many blessings that you have given me. I just pray that you give them much 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 more. In their lives Lord. Bless their families. Bless their parents. Bless their children. Bless their homes. Their finances Lord. We thank you so much. Because you are a loving God. And there is none like you. We give you all the praise. And we give you all the glory. In Jesus name. Precious name, we pray. Amen. Let's give Jesus a shout of praise today. Hallelujah.
1: Praise God. Well, we want to thank God for His goodness. We want to thank God for His Word. Thank you, Pastor Swami, for blessing us. The Bible says, Jesus asked somebody, is anything too difficult for me? And indeed, today we have heard that God is our deliverer, God sustains, God heals, God provides, and he is above all a faithful God. What a glory, what a joy it is to serve a God who hears our prayers, a God who sees what we are going through, and above all, a God who answers our prayers. Praise God. So we want to continue in that mode of uh, prayer because you're going to trust this same God who is the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. I can go as far as even to say the God of Pastor Sammy. What he did to Sammy, is able to do even to us today. Or to you, whatever your need is, whatever your situation is. Even if it's you're praying for your parents, maybe they also sent you you're able to pray for them even today and they'll still God will turn them around for his glory praise God as the Bible says he came to shed his blood for all mankind so it doesn't matter whether it's your parents your grandparents your brothers your sisters your sons even that son of yours or daughter who is wayward you know those ones who some of us were not saved in our early teens so we know what we did so maybe you've got that kind of a son but God is still able to turn them around God is able to turn them around. So i are going to ask our sister, Olive, to come lead us in prayer. So if you've got any prayer requests, I hope they've all been sent forward. Because we want to trust that same God. Uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're coming. So sister, Olive, is going to lead us. They're going to trust God. Praise God. Praise God. God is good. Amen. Is there anybody else with a prayer request? Is that it? Okay. Okay. Sister Olive.
2: Praise the Lord. Oh, what a word. We want to really thank God. Really, really thank God for the word that has gone forth. Yeah, and the food is ready for the children. So if you have children, direct them to go and have the meal while we pray. While we come to this very important session of prayer. Yes, very important. Jesus spent so much time in prayer. And, uh, you know, it's a powerful weapon. Prayer. Amen. And he has given us the privilege to be able to pray. To use our mouths, to use our tongues to pray. The Bible says we have the, the power of death and life is in the tongue. So you have the power within you. If you have a tongue, everybody has a tongue here. So you have power in you. I used to wonder, why does it say, you know, start with the power of death and then life? It's because it's so easy for us to speak death. I am not able You know, it's so easy. Oh, I can't. Oh, I can't do that. Oh, I can't do that. We speak more death than life. The Lord wants us to change our tongues to speak life. Life to our situations. Life to our prayer requests. Life to the things that we are going through. You know, the Bible has got facts. I mean, we live with facts, you know. Let's say the children, when the... Spies were sent to see the land in, in Canaan. They saw the giants, these nine feet people. You can imagine the street of Manchester, you see nine feet people walking. They saw the walls were fortified. You know, that was the fact. But the truth was, when Caleb was sent on Joshua, the truth was, they said, we are well able to take the land. I used to wonder how are they saying that because the word of god had gone forth earlier and the lord had promised them was going to give them this land so that is the truth that they had and that is the truth that they spoke and that is what we should speak the truth we are facing facts you could be broke right now it's a fact you could be ill right now we are not going to stop and, ima- and believe illusions. It's a fact. You could uh, be going through sickness. You could be going through huge things. But the truth is God is your healer. God is your provider. He's our provider. He's our healer. Just what we have had someone go over, and we know that the Lord, we have been saying, there's nothing too difficult for the Lord. So, whatever your situation, There is nothing too difficult for the Lord. When we were in school, we knew and we said it is a fact. It is finished. It is the end. But now we know there is more than a fact. Truth of the word of God. That is what we are going to believe. The Bible says in uh, Luke 17 verse 6. Luke 17 verse 6. Luke 17, verse 6. It says, He replied, If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this tree, Be uprooted and be planted in the sea. Other verses say, you know, other versions say mountain or different verses. So, you know that this f- seed, mustard seed, is so tiny. Someone brought it from um, Israel. You couldn't even hold it between our fingers. Surely, we can afford that faith. that one of the size of a mustard seed. So right now, we will rise up and we will pray. With that faith, like a mustard seed. With that faith, you are able to move the mountains in your life. With that faith, diseases shall go. With that faith, brokenness shall leave your address. With that faith, with that faith, whatever you are going through, we have all heard this morning, this afternoon, the Lord knows you. He knows you by name. He knows everything you have written. You have taken a step of faith to write it and to let it come forward. Even Jesus was calling people to take a step of faith. So the Lord knows everything you have written here. Arise. There's no age, there's no child, there's no adult whom the Lord will not hear. We have already said the power of life and death is in your tongue. Use your tongue this afternoon. Don't let tiredness make you not speak. Speak to the Lord. He is here. From the beginning, the Holy Spirit has been here. And there's no way he's not going to be here. Raise your voice. Because the enemy can hear. The spirits, they have got ears. They can hear you mean business. They can hear you know your rights in the kingdom. They can hear you know you are God. They can hear you have taken the word seriously. That the power of death and life is in your tongue. So it is up to us to choose. Are we going to choose death or to choose...